Hi, welcome to the Resilience Podcast. I'm Kobe Greer. Nearly all drug and alcohol users are members of a family. Relationships between family members can be an important factor in both protecting family members from using drugs and developing risk factors that can lead to misuse. Evidence demonstrates the influence of the family in how we communicate, how we cope with stress and emotional problems, and our attitudes towards the use of drugs and alcohol. The family can be a strong protective factor against drug and alcohol use, and their most steadfast support in healing and recovery. Today's podcast is dedicated to the family of people who use drug and alcohol and how resilience is so important for a sometime forgotten but very important group. To speak more about families of people who use drugs and alcohol, I'd like to welcome Terry Slomp, a professional supervisor at AWS. Welcome, Terry. Thank you, Kobe. Hi. Good to have you. Terry has an expansive career in management, clinical supervision, and counselling, particularly in the drug and alcohol field, where he worked with individuals, couples, youth, and families dealing with negative consequences of drug and alcohol addiction. Terry is passionate about providing a safe, judgment-free space for individuals wanting to change their world and is a strong advocate of resiliency building and the power of a positive therapeutic relationship between a therapist and his or her client. So to kickstart us off, Today we're focusing on families of people who use drugs and alcohol. So what kind of things would a family experience, Terry? Absolutely. So families will find themselves in situations where the person that they've known for a long time is now behaving in a way that is, is hard to understand. Um, mm. Depending on what drug or alcohol is being used, um, the person could be behaving erratically. Mm. They could be um, aggressive, yeah. angry. Um, they could be doing things that are un- really can't be understood by the family. Sure. So this will put the family in a position of how do they react to this? This yes. is a new new thing that we're seeing, yeah. and it can put the person who's experiencing this in, in a position where, what do I do? Yes. You know, and yes. it can be really, really confronting for yeah. the family. Oh, it must be so yeah. difficult. Yeah. So what would be some of the typical reactions of family members? Yeah. Typically, they could go into denial okay. and think, no, this is not happening. Mm-hmm. So they could push everything under the carpet and think, I'm not looking at this. They can just deal with it themselves um, and not even worry about it at all. And But the negative consequences will start to filter to the family too. Mm. They could have a huge emotional release in relation to it. Now, they could be, they could feel angry too. Yes. Sadness. Yeah. They can feel so terribly sad that this person they've known for a long time is now behaving in such a way that's detrimental to the family. Mm. So... They could even be over-controlling. And so how would that look? What would that look like? They might think this person needs to leave the family. Okay. Throw them out. Yeah. This person's just not doing what they should do. 
let's be authoritarian, let's get them out. Right. And is that helpful? Yeah. That's the point. True. But the chaos that it can ensue can be enveloping to the whole family. Um, and that's when coping strategies are really important. And when resiliency comes into play, how can we deal with this new world that we're faced with? Yes, yes, yeah, no, of course. Because yep. I can imagine that there'd be, you know, some of those reactions may come from a space of blame and shame a bit. Absolute judgment. So, and judgment. Judgment, hugely. absolutely, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what steps can a family member take to help the person and not push them away because that can be a natural yeah, response, it can't can be. it? It yeah. can be. So what... What a person can do is keep calm. Yes. Really try and keep calm with what's happening. And that's hard sometimes. Of course. Really hard. Um, talk to the person um, in a calm way in terms of this is my experience of what's happening to you. Yes. Um, you know, they can be enabling yes. and just make, make it still happen. Mm. And that can come into very a lot of different things. They could perhaps give the person money and, and so they can just leave and whatever, but it's not actually helping the problem. Yes. But it's about sitting down, talking it through in a calm way, not in a blaming way, not mm. in a shaming way, mm. not in a way that makes the person feel uncomfortable. Because in all other ways, that person is feeling that way too. Yes. They're feeling the shame anyway. True. Because sometimes that comes out in anger. Sometimes mm. it comes out in sadness. And sometimes it's, that's why they're using the drug or the alcohol as well, to, to deaden those feelings. Yes. And so we're stuck on this treadmill of all of that. So, so Cherry, what steps can a family member take to help the person and not push them away? Because this can be a re very much a natural response to something that's changed in a person's behaviour, particularly if it's drug-related. Absolutely. So an important thing to do is to remain calm. So try and get some composure, remain calm, and have a discussion with the person. Um, talk it through and also try and find out what's happening for the person and be a, a, an active listener to what what's going on for that person. Now, they may present with anger. They could be, you know, very sad or whatever with what's going on because their world has changed too. Yes. So um, first step is to listen. Try not to push away because there's, that's counterproductive um, to listen. Um, be calm, be supportive and be available so you can actually create some hope for that person. Because what, what happens with drug and alcohol use is sometimes hope is lost. So by having someone you can talk to and someone you can actually tell what's going on, it actually lightens the load for the person. Mm. And then if you can be the conduit for that person to get some help externally, that is a great way to be. If we look at that in, in like a difference to shutting someone out, Yes. Throw them out. They're out on their own. So this person is important to you, putting in that time to actually support and connect with that person gives a better outcome. 
I like that. And and I think what really rings for me is the word connect because yep. the use of drugs and alcohol is something that d- disconnects us from self and others, isn't it? And so um, that being able to connect and I think of Gabor Mate's... Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, his, mm-hmm. his material, mm. all about the dis- uh, disconnection versus connection. Yes. So, yeah, staying aligned with yep. that family member and the importance of mm-hmm. that, yeah. So it would be easy for a family member to make this all about the person using drugs and, and I suppose that's that blaming and shaming, isn't it? Yep. But is it about both the person using drugs as well as the family? It so is. It's about both people involved. So for the person who's witnessing this, yes. it really is about them um, also making sure that they're okay. So some energy has to be put in to making sure that that person is okay too, and also the family or significant others involved in this. So it's really important to put some energy into that. And that's really all about self-care. And in terms of, okay, I've got a family member or significant other who has a problem. How can I make sure I'm okay to support them? Have you heard the premise of um, when you're flying in an aeroplane and there's an incident and then the oxygen masks fall out and the flight attendant says... If you have a, a child there, put your mask on first. Yes. And then attend to the child later. So this is a good example. Make sure you're okay first. And that could be getting some knowledge. Go see your GP. Go see a drug and alcohol counsellor. Get some knowledge about what's happening for your significant other. What's happening for them? What do I know about this drug? You know? Can I have an understanding of what's happening for them so then I can be in a space to support them through recovery? Because if you don't understand what's happening or what could happen, then you're sort of behind the eight ball. Yeah, I love that, Terry, because, you know, when there's someone in the family who has the issue, Mm. it's them go to counselling, them do self-care, them do meditation classes. They have to get themselves together. Whereas the focus is also on the other family members. Okay, I need support through this. Yep. I need to also reach out as much as the person with the, the drug issue as yep. well. I need to also care for myself. I, mm. I love that message. Yeah, yeah. And I guess in that we're also speaking to shame. Now, a person who is witnessing this could feel shame as well. My son, my daughter is going through this... And, and I'm feeling, how did I let this happen? So we need to process that kind of stuff with a professional and going to a counsellor to actually make sense of that world for yourself is a good step, is a good step. Yeah, I agree, mm. I agree. Yeah. So what help is out there for family members? Yeah. So there are some leading drug and alcohol agencies in Perth who actually have family-sensitive practice and will do counselling with the family member. Now, that could be education, psychoed, in terms of having an understanding of that drug or, or alcohol, what's happening. Mm. It could be just listening to the world that's happening and 
taking some of that load off the person by normalizing the feelings of what's going on and then helping to to look at the way forward so that person should go to the gp too just check out look this is happening in my family this is and i just want to make sure that my health is okay talking to a counselor is a good idea too but also it doesn't have to be a secret enlist the support of someone for you a friend a family member who you can say this is happening for us my son my daughter whatever is going through this and it's a hard time and and enlisting someone to be there for you too is so important and again we're talking about resiliency and this is about you being on top to help your significant other through this so don't forget about you it's really important to actually say no, I'm going to go and speak to someone as well so I can make sense of this. No, that's great. That's great advice. And it does sound as though this could be quite a long process. And in our society, we look for quick fixes, you know, fast pace. Um, is there such thing as a quick fix in, when it comes to the drug and alcohol field? Unfortunately not, <laughs> <laughs> which is really... Yeah bad news yes, uh, yes it depends on what drug we're talking about for example um ice methamphetamine when which is in uh in perth quite quite a lot at the moment it takes a long time for that to be sorted out we're talking 12 to 18 months for that mm -hmm. and there is a whole lot of turmoil in relation to dealing with the emotional chaos ensuing in that but it's 12 to 18 months for that that's a long time. Talking about other other drugs, maybe cannabis, um, someone using that, if someone wants to actually get that out of their system in terms of finding another coping strategy, that could take some, some time as well. Enlisting the help of a counsellor, both for the family member and the person who is using, is a really good way to maintain the focus. Really, really invest in some time to actually look at this and to, to find recovery. Yes. So no quick fixes, unfortunately. But if we think about our resiliency and we make sure that we are armed and ready to go and ready to look at this for the future, we can get to full recovery in the end. And I've seen it happen. Yes. There's definitely hope there. It can happen. But, you know, we, we can't do it on our own. Yes. And... Um, if we can get through the shame that we may feel and the sadness that comes with this, enlist people to help, get to the other side. Beautiful, beautiful. So as a take-home message and rounding out this interview, what strategies are there for a family member to become more resilient? So if I could um, say three things. Please, please do. Stay calm mm. is number one. And how can they stay calm? Like, is there, what can they do to do to be calm? Have some strategies um, which you can learn, like uh, meditation, like talking to people. Yes. Just if we bury it inside ourselves, it's it's not helpful and productive. Talk to people, stay calm, and actually get some knowledge. That's the second thing really get some knowledge about what you're dealing with because right. if you know what you're dealing with then you can move forward and the last last thing is is to see a counselor 
It's really, really important. It's a scary thing. Yes. So if you've never seen a counsellor before, you're probably thinking this is a really scary thing. Again, the shame might come up. But counsellors are trained to actually provide a space that's judgment-free, friendly, helpful, and allowing the person to have a voice and getting some understanding of what's happening so you can move forward. Give it a go. Yes. Just give it a go. See how, see how it sits with you. And there are professionals out there that can help you with that. Fantastic. All about connection. That absolute connection is so important. Mm. So important because your family member has lost the connection. Yes, yes. And it's important, and I suppose what I'm hearing as well, and it's just as important for the family member, not the person necessarily who has the issue of drugs and alcohol, yep. but the family member to also remain connected. Yes. Yeah, and reach out. Just as important for the person with the drug and alcohol issue. That's so it. That's fabulous. Thank you so much for coming in today, Terry. It's been a pleasure. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks.